0: With three major pharmaceutical companies showing success with COVID-19 vaccines in phase three trials, a lot of people are getting their hopes up about the beginning of the end of the pandemic. But while other countries could see rollouts in the coming weeks, it could be months before Canadians get their turn. I'm Dave Breckenridge and this is 10-3. Parliamentary Bureau Chief and National Post columnist John Iveson joins me to talk about why Canada has to wait, whether the government can do anything to speed that up, and why it could become a political vulnerability for Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. Don't forget, you can find this show on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, wherever you get your favourite shows. We'd love it if you could leave us a rating, a review, and tell your friends about us. So, John, over the first eight months of the pandemic in Canada, really when things started to shut down, we're looking at about eight months, Canadians, by and large, I think feel pretty positive about how the Trudeau government has handled this pandemic, save for a couple of stumbles. Why is that?
1: Well, there was a Leger poll that came out last week that suggested two-thirds of respondents are very or somewhat satisfied with the way the federal government has handled the pandemic. Actually, federal government and provincial governments, similar numbers. I think that Trudeau came out, and while they were making policy on the fly, he made it sound as if the federal government was in charge and people could rely on it. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't think they got everything right. In fact, they're, they've got a whole bunch of things wrong. But there was always that sense that if things got really tough, the federal government would have your back. People like me who look at it closely say, well, it's not really the federal government that's got your back. It's future taxpayers because we've spent an awful lot of money and somebody's going to have to pay it back someday. And it's not going to affect this federal government because it's going to be people 20, 30 years down the line. There's other indicators that are starting to come out that suggest that when, in the second quarter of the year, we lost $23 billion of income, as people were either laid off or they were told to stay home for a period of time, the government spent somewhere around $56 billion in income replacement, and obviously in more than income replacement. So the household incomes actually rose 11% in Canada, as GDP fell 10%. Now, nowhere else in the world did this happen. Yeah we are real outliers as far as the way the government responded our deficit to gdp level for for this year is projected to be 20% which again is the highest in the g20 so the government essentially got its checkbook out and more than paid for the loss of income and made people feel safe which you want your government to make people feel safe but you do also want it to behave in a competent and fiscally sustainable
0: fashion that was in the first wave and now we're looking into a second wave of this pandemic where cases are on the rise in many provinces and Quebec, Ontario, Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, BC, uh, uh, all of these provinces taking very strong measures to try and stem the rise in cases. And with that kind of on the horizon, many people are talking about the need for a vaccine. And so the big focus, I think for the Trudeau government in the second wave of the pandemic, the first wave was all about making sure Canadians felt safe and secure, and they could absorb the income loss. The Trudeau government now has to turn to vaccines. And there's been positive news on that front, but but Justin Trudeau could be vulnerable on vaccines. And why is that?
1: Well, the government has done well in signing up for so many vaccines, uh, Bloomberg did a survey last week of countries around the world and ranked them as far as access. And Canada's access is pretty good. It's about fifth, ranked fifth in the world as far as the number of doses that we're likely to get in due course. I mean, Trudeau in the House of Commons talked about Canada having more doses per capita than any other country. But in comparison to other countries, the speed at which we'll get that vaccine does not look like it's going to be as great as other countries The government seems to have missed a trick to license production, particularly from one vaccine manufacturer, AstraZeneca, Mm -hmm. which has licensed production domestically to countries like Mexico, Brazil, Russia, India, Australia. I mean, that vaccine is already being produced in places like India and Australia and will be available to the citizens of those countries. We do not have that here. And I think... We could have had that, at least in limited form, at the National Research Council's facility in Montreal, which was configured to produce a vaccine like the AstraZeneca one.
0: If they had
1: got on board with signing up with AstraZeneca, we could be seeing at least some vaccine coming out that would, would I think, save lives. It would be used in, emergency, in emergencies and for the most vulnerable people, frontline health workers, mm-hmm. long-term care homes, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. So when we look back at how the government fared, I think that the, a major glitch will be the way that we did not gear up for domestic vaccines. Now, some of that blame goes, goes back to previous governments, which did not learn lessons from SARS and other warnings on pandemics, did not build up a manufacturing capacity. The Trudeau government has tried to do that, but it's come too late to build brand new capacity. We're, we're in the process of doing that. So I think the message is we're going to get Vaccine eventually, but we may be watching not only the United States, the UK, and Germany, where the big producers are based, but also countries, as I mentioned, like Mexico and India. Mm -hmm. And I think that that will be judged a major failing for this government.
0: So it's not a case of, you know, a manufacturer somewhere produces vaccines for other countries, but countries like Canada buy a license to produce them, and then a lab in that country will make the vaccine. And that's where we're falling short.
1: We have signed up with all the manufacturers of vaccines that have come forward and said the thing works. So we will get that vaccine. We're contractually obliged to get it, but we don't know when we're going to get it, and we don't know how many people are going to get it beforehand. I mean, Aaron O'Toole, the Conservative leader, is saying 2.5 billion people are going to get a vaccine before Canada does. I'm not quite sure how he came up with that number, but I think the principle is correct, that some of these vaccines are made in, in the UK, Britain, and Germany. Their citizens will get first dibs at them. And then because those producers have licensed their production to other countries, those other countries will have the ability to get them. I think one question that remains to be asked is when Canada first signed up to produce the vaccine domestically, it signed up with the Chinese Mm -hmm. and it was going to be produced in this lab in Montreal. And the government even announced that they were going to be able to produce 250,000 doses a month from this facility, which is not much, but it would be at least cover the the most vulnerable people. Then, of course, the, the Chinese said they were not going to supply Canada with the vaccine, and the whole thing fell apart, and that whole idea that we were going to be producing by Christmas just disappeared. I can't imagine why we signed up with the Chinese when we could have been signing up with a more reliable producer. Uh, the Chinese vaccine appears to be less effective in any case. I guess at the time it may have looked promising. Maybe hindsight is twenty twenty in these cases, but some poor decisions appear to have been made when it comes to vaccine.
0: Early on in the pandemic, a vaccine was seen as a key priority, and you say that the feds were making some arrangements and preparations to get this going, but I, I believe your, your colleague in the Ottawa Bureau, Ryan Tumulty, he had a story today that talks about how there's a construction delay at the lab in Montreal. Right,
1: so it's not clear whether that would have halted even the Chinese vaccine if it had been going ahead. There's a suggestion that this lab falls short of the standards that are required to produce a vaccine and therefore some remedial work needs to be done. Again, we don't really know all the details on that. The, the, the government has been pretty tight-lipped on what is happening. We do know that money has been allocated to expand production at that Montreal lab so that when it is feasible to produce vaccine, they can start gearing up. But again, that is going to be into well into 2021, maybe 2022, and maybe even 2023, before Canada is producing vaccine domestically in the quantities that are required to vaccinate the whole
0: population. So the early vaccines that will arrive in Canada will likely have been produced elsewhere, correct?
1: Right. Government ministers were saying it's likely going to be in the first quarter, you know, possibly January, but it sounds more likely to be later in the first
0: quarter. I know people want to see the vaccine right away, but has the government talked about a benefit at all of it being widely distributed in other countries before it comes into Canada out of concern for safety? Or is that something that they're not talking about?
1: No, I don't think they're talking about that. I don't think they want to ring any alarm bells about these vaccines not being as efficient as their producers say they are. Maybe Canada, perversely, will be grateful for the fact that other countries have tried them first. When you do look at some of the early results for, let's say, the AstraZeneca vaccine or the Pfizer vaccine, the sample sizes of the trials were pretty small. Mm -hmm. They can't be confident that they will reproduce their clinical trial results I don't suppose they know how long the vaccine is going to be effective for. I mean, you need to get another vaccination within six months or within a year. So obviously, we're learning as we go. I mean, vaccines in the past for polio or whatever took decades to produce and roll out. So, you know, we, and we've done this in, well, not we, but they have done this in 10 months. I mean, it's pretty amazing when you think the, the ingenuity and the science that's gone into it. But it is very much still on trial. And maybe Canada is going to benefit from not getting first supply. But, uh, but I don't know whether the, the population is going to view it like that. Mm-hmm. If you're an anxious senior or a stressed out small business or an exhausted health worker, and you start seeing you know, a miracle vaccine, I mean, you know, I, as I was saying, the, the Greek mythology, panacea was the goddess of universal remedy. This is quite literally a panacea. People see this as curing pretty much all of their ills. You know, It cures their health ills. It cures their economic ills. They can go back to work. Places will reopen. The desperation with which a good bulk of the population has got for this thing to roll out means that if the Liberal government doesn't get it to roll out quickly, it is going to be in trouble. I mean, I think existential. I think everything that's gone before, all the good stuff gets wiped away. And people just think about the vaccine and how this government failed to get it for them. So, you know, they're pretty desperate. I spoke to somebody in government who knows pretty much what's going on. And he said he didn't think there will be a big lag. He thinks that we're in pretty good shape, we'll secure the vaccine in a pretty good time. But he did say, I think we can withstand being behind the Americans and the Germans. But if Mexico beats us, yeah, that's a problem. Mm -hmm. So they're aware that this is a big deal for the Liberal government.
0: I know the conservatives in the House of Commons were hammering the government pretty hard on this. As you mentioned, Aaron O'Toole was talking about 2.5 billion people, whether that's the combined population of some of the countries you mentioned, would have access to this before Canada. And Michelle Rempel was demanding to know whether we even had agreements in place. And our colleague, Ryan Tumulty, said a source told him that we don't have an agreement in place. Why do we not have more transparency over where we're at in the process?
1: Well, I can only suspect this because it's not good news. If you remember back when the opposition wanted to bring in the health committee to look at the COVID response just a month or so ago, yeah, the government was very nervous mm-hmm. about that. I mean, we almost went to an election over it because the government didn't want to give up commercially confidential details about the vaccines. They positioned that the producers would be nervous about commercially sensitive information getting out. My suspicion is they didn't want anybody to know where Canada ranks in the line of people getting these vaccines. The details have not been disclosed publicly. It is not clear at all when we'll get this vaccine, which ones will come first, how they'll be rolled out. Uh, We know some of the details from the vaccine task force about who will get them. I mean, understandably, they'll go to the most vulnerable people. Mm -hmm. But there's huge opacity about what is going on here. And usually when the government's not telling you things, it's for a reason, If uh, people don't know what you're doing, then they don't know what you're doing wrong.
0: One last question, John. Looking at the position of the Liberals right now, they staved off a fall election with the support of the NDP. It's a minority parliament situation, but you'd need a very serious issue to come up again to see an appetite for an election in the spring or sometime in 2021. What is the political risk here? Does this elevate the Liberals to the point where they could be facing a non-confidence vote? Well, I think you you mentioned that they staved
1: off a fall election. I think they would have been delighted to go to a fall election. We're still seeing 75% satisfaction rate with the government over its COVID response. There's no doubt in my mind that if we had gone to an election in the fall, they would have won it handily because people were thinking they were still doing a pretty good job. Aaron O'Toole was an unknown to about half of the population. It surprised me, to be honest, that uh, Justin Trudeau, having raised the issue of an election over the ethics committee and the we issue, didn't actually then just push the issue. He could even have gone to the governor general if he'd wanted to. It might have seemed opportunistic in the middle of a pandemic to have done that, but he'd just seen provincial governments getting reelected with majorities in New Brunswick and in British Columbia. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure if he'd gone at the same time, he would have been re-elected with a majority. But this issue is a potential game changer. I think that that if the vaccine issue goes wrong for this government, they're going to be in trouble. And I think that uh, there will be a real narrowing of the numbers between the Liberals and the Conservatives. It's already somewhere around four and five percentage points, with the Liberals just under a majority at the moment. I think that's only going in one direction. And we saw yesterday the Ontario Auditor General uh, take a chunk out of Doug Ford's government over its handling of the pandemic. The federal auditor general is also looking at pandemic response. There will be a report in the spring. It's hard to see how any government at the moment gets a clean bill of health from an auditor general on pandemic response. We suspect that the uh, the vaccine issue has been mishandled. I'm pretty sure that they will discover that the quick testing issue has been mishandled. There have been other misfires. I mean, clearly, in my mind, the fiscal situation has been mishandled. So the federal government may have missed its opportunity to go to an election and win a majority. And as a result, I suspect that this is a a minority government that may run and run. We may see it rival the Pearson government's uh, longevity back in the 60s, Mm -hmm. you know, two, three years, because there is no incentive for Trudeau to force an election if those uh, polling numbers narrow. And I think the NDP are in no position to have an election right now. So they will probably prop up the government if they're given a good reason to do so. So I don't see a vote of no confidence. I see this minority government running and running.
0: I guess we'll be watching and waiting to see how this rolls out in other countries and find out when Canada will get its hands on uh, some of these vaccines. John, thanks for your time. Thanks very much. 10.3 is produced by Carson Jarama. Theme music by Bryce Hall. Thanks to my guest, John Iveson. More from him at nationalpost.com. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening.